Good morning. Well, it's a blessing to be here to uh, to stand before you and, and give you the word of God today. And uh, it's actually, I'm, I'm so far up here, I feel like I'm looking down from heaven. So uh, today we're just, we're going to be talking about love. And my, my t- title for my sermon is Love in Action. Because uh, a lot of us are, we need to show that love and God shows his love. So uh, our verse today is from First uh, John. It's uh, chapter four, verse eight. It says, uh, "Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love." So we have to think about that, you know. Uh, since God is love, He's always showing us His love. So love's just not a feeling. Love is an action, and that's where I come up with the title of love being an action. We, we need to be showing that. So I looked it up in, in, in the student's dictionary, which is the only one I have at the house, which is actually good for my, my students. It, uh, it defines uh, love in, a, in the verb form uh, to feel passion or to have a strong affection for someone or something. So... Uh, if that's the case, God being love means that uh, he has a strong affection for us. So that's why he desires that uh, no one should perish. And that should be our desire, too, that no one should perish. So in uh, Romans, oh, I'm sorry, here's, here's John 4, 1, 1 John 4, 8. And a half, okay. But God shows his great love for us in this way. See, he's showing us in this way. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. See, the people of the world, they, they look at love as like, you know, that person, I don't like that person because uh, they've done this to that person or they've done that to that person. Well, we all are we're sinners and are sinners, and it's the love that God showed us, you know, that he died for us. So, since... God is in us. He abides in us. Uh, we have a question to ask. Are we showing that love uh, and affection for others? It's a strong affection, not just I love you and not just saying that. You know, it's a, it's a desire. So it, it really should be our desire. And, and he actually steps it up a notch when he says we are to love our enemies, which is really a step up because he wants to love somebody that, that's unlovable so um we we show that love to those who wrong us and things through forgiveness because god has forgiven us so in forgiving those who wronged you you are showing god's love jesus even forgave the the people that mocked and crucified him and uh he was even sinless you know he they hadn't didn't really have a reason to be to killing him, crucifying him. So he forgave them right there on the cross. So we should be doing the same for those around us. We should be forgiving them, though they might not deserve it either. All right. And uh, the world, you know, is always trying to, to convince us that, uh, love is a feeling, you know, they're always telling you it could be through a song. It could be through a poem, a movie, and actually TV itself is always saying, you know, you can be happy. You can be happy if you have this, a new car, new clothes, a new cell phone. Well, that might be true. You might have happiness until the next best thing comes out or the update. So you have to uh, understand even in, uh, I hate to bring up soap operas, I I don't watch those, but they're always saying if you're not happy in your marriage, just to get out. Leave that person. Find someone new. To me, that just shows that those two people that decide to get a divorce their, their marriage was based on feelings. I don't feel that I love that person anymore. Or that person doesn't love me. 
or I would love that person if, I'd love that person even more if, you know. So it just says they're not, to me, they're not showing love. It's, it's actually, it means they quit considering their spouse's needs before their own needs. They should be treating their spouse the way they would want to be treated themselves. So, they, their condition is, you know, well, I guess, you know, that they have uh, been brought up in, in a family maybe even, that uh, the parent might not even been showing the love that, uh, that they needed to be showing. We should be showing the love to others, and, and especially our own families. You know, God loves us no matter what our condition. We should be loving others no matter what their condition. But the great thing is, when we're showing the love of God, the kind of that says that I, I, I will show you. I will not, I'm not just going to say it, but I'm going to show you. Then we're blessed. Because that person will then maybe show that love in return by wanting to serve you, be doing things for you. So it's a win-win situation when you show the love of God because love is an action. It's not just a feeling. And, you know, you're, in doing that, too, you're also building up treasure in heaven. You know, and that's where our treasure should be, in heaven. Not, and then especially at this time of the year, you know, it's I want, I want, I need, I have to have. The biggest want we should have is more of God, more Christ in us, so that we'll be walk worthy of, of our calling. So, you might be wondering, uh, how can I show love? Because you might have grown up, you know, with a parent that didn't model love in a positive way. Well, God loved, he modeled the love for us. So, all we have to do is model his love. So, there's no really excuse for not being able to show love because God has shown us his love. He actually gives us uh, an instruction manual. He's given us the Bible. And it's alive and working, as it says in Hebrews 5.12. Alive and working. So we should be working. We should have that life in us. The life that's abundant life. So, God is an action. His love is an action. And his uh, word, and Jesus being the word, uh, he's been showing us his love since, since Genesis, you know, when he, he uh, came and he, he forgave Adam. He covered them with the first sacrifice. And he, he's actually really showed his greatest love when he sent his son. And his son took action. And he, he was the final, he was the final sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice. There don't need to be any more sacrifices now. So, he's continuing to act even now on our behalf in heaven as our mediator. He's always going to the Father because we might have stumbled and fell. So we should have joy in our hearts in knowing that. So God acted on our behalf. So he's showing us his love. And he's been showing his love to me and my family. You know, he gave, a, gave me and my wife peace in our hearts, knowing um, that our son went to heaven and we'll be with him again. And that's where we find that joy because God says we'll be with him again. See, the, the love Jesus has shown us, you know, on the cross, and because we confess him as the Lord, and we believe that he is the Son of God. We, we, have, we have comfort in knowing that is why we're going to heaven. It's not because of anything we've done or anything we will do, unless it is confess him for who he is. 
and what he's done. And without births, the birth of Christ, forgiveness would never have been uh, obtainable because we would never be good enough. So, in that, we see his power. We've seen it when he used the doctors. He used the medicines to heal Diane, my wife, of breast cancer. So, and in doing that, you know, he's, he's increased her faith. He is faithful, and he will never leave us. He says he won't. So... I got, you know, a lot of other stories I could tell you, but you can come to us and we'll talk about those later. So um, he's, he's alive and he's acting in our lives. We should be um, acting in the lives of others. Sometimes we just leave church and we'll just go home and do our thing. You know, we should be going out, having dinner with uh, one another or uh, lifting someone up, praying for them. You can show your love. You don't have to buy something for somebody. Just give them a hug. It's an action. It's not just a feeling. Because you can, you can uh, feel you love somebody one day and hate them the next. So, back to the fact. God is love. Love being an action and not a feeling. Feelings do come and go. Hmm. Feelings do come and go. <laughs> so, um, after after all that being said, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And we'll see what God says about love. Nice job back here, guys. Thanks. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. It does not brag, and it's not proud. Love is not rude. It's not selfish and does not get upset with others. Boy, we do that sometimes, don't we? Love does not count the wrongs that's been done. The wrongs has been to you or to others. Love takes no pleasure in evil, but rejoices over the truth. Love patiently accepts all things. It always trusts, always hopes, and always endures. Love never ends. There are gifts of prophecy, but they will be ended. There are gifts of speaking in different language, but those gifts will stop. There is the gift of knowledge, but it will come to an end. So, goes on to uh, 1 Corinthians thirteen thirteen. So, these three things continue forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And we heard Pastor Joel talk about that, never ending. And it never ends because God is love. And love is an action. We're always acting on something. Why don't we act upon love? Love that fills fills our hearts and is prompted by the Holy Spirit. Greatest thing forever. It's a long time. His love never ends because God never ends. He's been there from the beginning. So I believe that uh, the very fact that you're here today is that uh, you may have experienced God's love. Or maybe you want to experience God's love. It's a gift. You know, you can experience it. It's a gift from God. He gave it to us when he sent his son. And what a great Christmas gift that is. So we should, uh, as Christians, give a gift of forgiveness. How about a gift of grace or mercy? Because these are, the, these are God in action. It's his love. God is love. So it's an action. So what do we do with all that, you know? We need to uh, search our hearts. We need to search our hearts. 
We need to see if there's any changes that we need to make, myself included. After we figure that out or God reveals that to us, then we need to repent. And when we repent, then we make ourselves right. Then we can start showing the love, the love that God gives us, the love that God shows you. See, God is alive. He's abiding in us. When you became a Christian, you asked God to, to come into your hearts. Well, he's there. Listen for his voice when he says, look, there's somebody that needs something. <clears throat> then step up. Give him that need. If you have two coats, give him a coat. I say if it doesn't have, you only get one, give him two. Give him the coat you have. So it's, God is love, and love is an action, not a feeling. So let's go out there and let's, let's love. Thank you, Lord. All right. Um. Well, I guess I'll start off whenever I was younger. Uh, so just give you guys a little story about that. Um, so whenever I was in, uh, I don't know if it's kindergarten or around there, I went to uh, Morgantown, and I was diagnosed with uh, central auditory deficit disorder, which means uh, you basically, it's you have to learn to learn. So I couldn't, I wasn't able to learn. I wasn't able to, I didn't have any, like, athletic ability. I didn't have, um, I failed kindergarten, like, when I was younger. So, so I wasn't, I wasn't able to process anything that was being taught. I wasn't able to, um, I didn't have any coordination at all. Uh, so. So whenever I was growing up, I had to work a lot harder than everyone else would. So, so throughout those years, whenever I was growing up, um, all my family, they would pray for me. And the church would pray for me. And they said that um, to have the mind of Christ... Throughout growing up, and uh, by the time I was in fifth grade, um, that was that kept being preached to me by all the people that uh, they brought in here. Um, there was many different ministries that came through, and every time they would pray for me, that was pretty much. It was how they would perform me, and and the same thing with Pastor Joel, and um, and then whenever I was going through everything, I would always I was always encouraged to uh, to play video games when I was growing up too, because that would give me um, my motor skills as well. So so whenever I went through all that. Um, I, I would had I had to go through speech therapy, language therapy. I was in Title One reading. I was in um, all these different things. And uh, by the time I was in fifth grade, I don't really remember much before fifth grade. Really, I mean, I feel like it was almost like a complete transforming of my mind. Amen. And um doesn't really, it, I just can't remember anything be before that, really. It's really hard for me to remember. And um, I know whenever, whenever I was going through my therapies and everything like that,
my stepdad came through. And I know my mom and stepdad, they worked real hard. And I know they said when, I, when, um, when he came in my life, that it really helped, helped me through that. And I know And I know I've been really blessed with great parents because they really believed in me. And um, God worked through them to um, get me through everything. And by the time I was in... uh, By the time I was in, like... Seventh grade. I know I always played like football. I always played that throughout whenever I was growing up. I always did all those all those things, and I almost felt like if I didn't, I would be letting other people down. So, I didn't want to let my parents down or anyone else down. So, so I always, always did those those things. And uh, although I wasn't really the best at that, I didn't have the best. wasn't the best athletically. wasn't the best at that. And this, this and that, academically, athletically. Um, even whenever I was in seventh grade, sometimes the coaches would say that that I didn't, that maybe I should just quit or whatever. So, so, so I wasn't passed at that. Um, so, so as I was, as I was saying, I kept transforming my mind. I kept, I kept hearing the same thing, um, getting prayed for the mind of Christ. Um, so as that, so as I was um, I kept it. I just kept getting more and more transformed in my in my mind, and um, like I would just say that. Well, I just kept getting better athletically, better academically, better every better in everything, and. Um, by the time I was a senior in high school, um, well, I, I was, well, I was always, I was always getting better and better, ju- in freshman through junior through senior, through all those years, and and by the time I was a senior, I was leading. I was, I was one of the best players on the football team. Um, I had amazing, amazing athletic ability among my teammates in the. Uh, in the state of Ohio and everywhere else. So, so by the time I was a senior, I I was second team all Ohio. I was first team all OBAC. All OBAC was among the teammates. And um, those were the people that vote for you, the coaches. And I know I know my coach, he, he always said, he always said, I always know that you worked the hardest. <laughs> Coach Lumming would always say, well, whenever you're a freshman, sophomore, everyone else on the team could count on you, giving everyone else a hard time, making everyone else work, making everyone else get better. So that's, I mean, that's where where I've always had to work harder than everyone else. And um, and then I was also saluted to in my class. Hello. <laughs> And then, so, so then the Lord wasn't done. So, so, went through college. Now I'm a senior in college. I played uh, college football for one year, too. 
Um, just, just wanted to focus on my academics and everything. So, so by the time I was a senior in high school, um, or senior, in, well now I'm a senior in college. So, so now I have a job offer already going into my last semester of college. So I couldn't really ask for a better job right now. I'm going to be working for Chevron as a engineer. And thank God, thank God for everything in my life, from my parents to Pastor Joel to all the preachers and and the church family. Uh, my favorite pictures of uh, of uh, the family is when I first came to the church. It would have been October, uh, September actually, 30th would have been in, in uh, 1999. So however, how old was Matt in October of 1999? Nine years old. And I, here's, what, here's what he told you is that I had uh, mom and dad who came to me at the end of service, and we were talking about new wineskins. That was a message God gave for me to come here. And he talked about uh, th- this phrase. It fits my family, but it's, it's fit what I've seen um, because I wasn't saved till I was 30 years old, that I've seen it fit humanity. And that is part of my past keeps me so lost in the present that I have no concept of the future. And I grew up with dysfunctional family, and I grew up seeing people not make it. And there was always this drive, just like I know you have, Matt, that was to, to, to perform, to, to be an overachiever, definitely not an underachiever. And there's this sense of perfectionism that comes, and that has its own problems and difficulties. But here's the deal. What I remember of meeting them in the center aisle over here when they said, could you pray for our, our boy? And... Uh, you know, that was a mom who was just doggedly determined and uh, Ted that, that just we're not accepting whatever's going on and we want to. And, and if you saw pictures of Matt at nine years old, I just immediately loved him. He just is like that and um, that hasn't changed. But he, I remember this, that this was a matter of uh, mom and dad who weren't going to give up on him and they were almost like going to push him across that that finish line if that's what it took. So you've always, uh, I've always been big fans of your whole family because uh, I see that. And I'm so glad because of what we see with Joseph and what he's, he's come up to be and in their uniqueness, him and Matt, and then also to see how Matt has uh, overcome. I mean, you know, <clears throat> he's not saying it might not be right for me, but I'm telling you, he landed like a big job. I'm talking about big fat wallet kind of job stuff. You know, how cool is that? I felt like I would give him a bonus. If I had money, I could give you a bonus. <laughs> but he's, he's got a bonus, a signing bonus. Come on, outside of athletes, I never hear about people getting sinus, signing bonuses to go with a company. So uh, he, was, he was going to flying down to Houston, Texas for interviews. He was meeting with big wigs and corporations and stuff like that. And you know, that's our boy. That's little Matt. You know, I mean, that's just, wow, how cool is that? So thank you for sharing uh, the narrative, part of the narrative of your life. And I know that God, who has been faithful, will continue to prove himself that way. And uh, I love it that uh, he's actually, we played some tennis together too. And he's, uh, what he may lack in speed, he makes up for in power. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, he noticed probably the last couple of times we played, I'm not really coaching him any. I'm not telling him how to do anything. I just, I'm trying to stay there and not get hit. <laughs> well, there's uh, just a few things I want to kind of cover with you this morning that, uh, 
you all have stories. You all have things like that. They're narratives. It's the truth of God acting in your life. And um, I want you to know that all things are possible in God. That, that's why we would do church. That's why you would come here. That's why you would come to discipleship. That's why you seek out opportunities to learn, to be in fellowship, is because God has a plan for you. And if you can't find it on your own, which I'm going to suggest that we have a hard time staying on that path, that's part of what we do here at the church is we're going to help to, to, to do that, help to steer you and help to see you get there. And we're going to believe for you when nobody else believes for you. And so how about turn and go ahead if you're still at First John 4. Then I'm going to share a little bit out of Romans. I'm going to do a wrap-up. But I want to start it with this little video because this kind of shows sometimes the uh, epidemic and it shows the virus or the sickness that exists in uh, churches and uh, sometimes Christians' lives. So I want to just show you this one community that they established, and um, we're dogging them this morning. Mom, where's Timmy? He's gone to be with the Lord. He's dead? No, silly. He and his family have moved to Bubble Creek Canyon. Do you dream of a day when you can drive to work without being forced to look at unchristian billboards and bumper stickers? When you can turn on the radio without hearing the electric guitar or some other horrible instrument of the devil? When you don't have to interact with bozos who have the audacity to disagree with you? Well, at Bubble Creek Canyon, your dreams can come true. Hello. Or as we like to say at Bubble Creek Canyon, heaven out. Bubble Creek Canyon is an isolated community nestled in 3,500 acres of magnificent and desirable real estate. Best of all, it's 100% heathen free. That's right, and you'll think it's the next best thing to heaven. At Bubble Creek Canyon, we use an elaborate screening process to ensure that our residents completely agree with our doctrine. No ifs, ands, or Buddhists. We're a heavily gated community with fantastic facilities, breathtaking sight lines, and Christianized amenities. We have a Christian shoe store, a Christian t-shirt store, a Christian underwear store, a Christian bank, Christian grocery, Christian car dealership, Christian pet store, Christian liquor store, and a Christian tattoo parlor. Temporary, of course. We have a nationally recognized school district and only one textbook. We also think you're going to like our library. Let this filth get in here. the BCC Cinema, you can watch all the latest movies without worrying about the questionable content, because we removed it all. Every home comes with a spacious backyard with plenty of room for an optional baptism pool. Hey, pin the ear on the high priest soldier, one of my personal favorites. And each home comes equipped with built-in Christian signage. Just try to pull this off the wall. With our combination cable and internet package, you'll have access to ES Pray In, My Heavenly Space, God Tunes, Godopedia, God Gold, God Bay, Godcast, and The Sopranos. Every morning, a copy of our community paper will be delivered to your doorstep. And our publication is committed to protecting you from all that unpalatable bad news that's always happening around the world. Our landscaping company, Holy Ground, will make sure that your front yard is always impeccably manicured. We've added a new feature this year. Around the holidays, special sensors in the streetlights detect non-nativity ornamentation and act quickly to eliminate these unsightly eyesores. Bubble Creek Canyon. If God wasn't omnipresent, he'd probably live here. Bubble Creek Canyon. Kind of trying to be in the world but not of the world. And so catch that 3,500 pristine acres where they just isolated themselves. Hmm. Sometimes that's what the church does, the Christians do, is we, we tend to, all of a sudden we're pushing so much out. He said not to go into the, to the darkness. He said you're going to be the light in the midst of the darkness. And so what we have to do, folks, is rub elbows with people in the world. We have to get there, and then we have to, when they're ordering you know, shots that we're, we're having another Diet Coke or we're having a, a glass of milk. You know what I'm saying? If you find yourself in that environment, maybe they invited you to their house. Well, they're free to do what they want to do. Now they're having some sort of drink sacrificed to idols. So what are you going to do? You sit there, you sanctify your food. You don't have to imbibe. You don't have to partake. And you go ahead and, and be a witness in the midst of that place, see? That's what we need to do. So here's the deal. 
Burdett has it right. It, it, the scripture has it right is that we should love each other because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has become God's child and knows God. Verse 8 said, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love, keyword, action point, showed his love to us. How many of you know people who can talk a good game? Anybody know somebody who talks real good? Talks, uh, you know, they, they know how to talk the Christian talk. They know how to, you know, love you, brother. Hey, been praying for you. I never pray. I don't pray for anybody. I don't pray for the president. I don't pray for the country. I don't pray for nothing. But it sounded good. I prayed for you. I'm praying for you. Pray, pray, pray. You know they're lying, and you'd like to say, you lying scum duck, some sucking dog. You know what I'm saying? You'd like to say something, just ugh, lay hands on them, right? So here it is. Verse 9 says, this is how God showed love to us. He sent his one and only son into the world so that we could have life through him. This is what real love is. It is not our love for God. It is God's love for us. You understand what he's really saying is, listen, I know you. I know you can't love me like I love you. Your love is not real love. My love is real love. When you can learn what my, real, my love is and then love that way, then you'll have real love. But otherwise, what you're doing is you're loving with a human love. You're loving with a tainted love. See, it's only as you experience the love of God, it's as you love like he loves, which is deeply. Imagine going deeper in your love than, than anything that, that you've ever done so far. Can, who, who loves the best in here? Anybody? Who, who thinks they love the best? They're the best lover in the whole room. Probably Jack. I see you back there. He sat up in the chair. He rose up like six inches in the chair when I said that. And he might be, and yet I'm going to tell you, Judy probably could tell us. You don't have to yell it out from over there. She could probably say, but he could do better. Guess what? Arlene would say, I'm an amazing lover, but she would tell you that I can do better. There's some breakdown, some areas where I don't do so well consistently. And so what happens is I know that I'm working on that. I'm working to love like he loves. I can tell you as a pastor, I don't love like he loves, though that's my goal. So there's times where I love one, one little girl I saw. Not little girl. I'm sorry. She's an older lady, but I call her a little girl. She, uh, she's tiny. And she said to me the other night, I saw her, and she said, you walked right past me like I didn't exist. Oh. So I was sitting there and I was thinking, man, what was going on for me that I somehow acted like they didn't exist? Seriously? I don't even know. Is that really? I mean, I don't remember that. I didn't do that intentionally. Is it that I was distracted? I'm trying to make up excuses for what, how would I be like that, that she comes away feeling like I just treated her like she didn't exist. Wow. Well, you know, maybe she needs me to be a lot more than what I am. And that's okay. I come away saying, God, help me to love like you do. God's love for us, sending his son to take away our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us that much, we also should love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is made perfect in us. So imagine this, if people in these places where you go into those dark places, they've never seen God. Let's say a lot of you may not have ever seen God, then you've experienced God some way. You've got some part of his action, as Burdett said. You got some act of love. There was something where God made himself tangible to you. And so what happened is, is that though you haven't seen him, you've experienced him. So now what happens is, is that that's how we're going to make it known. No one has seen us, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is made perfect in us. And then guess what happens? Other people see his love reflected in our lives. And they're going to want what you got. They're going to want what we got. It says, verse 13 says, we know that we live in God and he lives in us because he gave us his spirit. That's what tells us that we can't explain it, express it, but it's in me. I know it is. We have seen and can testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. 
Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God has God living inside, and that person lives in God. You know, you might have to just get that. That's verse 15, and you might have to put it on the mirror for a while to be able to speak that truth to yourself that says, I confess Jesus, I've done that, but yet I don't feel like I'm saved. I don't feel like I live in God. I don't feel the presence of God in my life. Well, get over your bad old self. It's what the Word of God says. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God has God living inside, and that person lives in God. Guess what? How can you live in God and then go into sin? That's what John says. First John, it says it somewhere else. If you're a child of God, if you obey God, if you love God, you don't, you don't sin. So, boy, even as a pastor, I'm like, okay, God, what's going on in my heart? What's going on in my life that I don't love so perfectly that I still sin? What is the issue for that I have sin in my life because I do love you? Well, he's just saying here it's difficult. It ain't easy. That person lives in God. You know when I sin? When I stop living in God. How do you live in God? Praying, fellowship with one another, reading the Bible. Pick up the phone and call somebody and share about a testimony. Talk to them. Say, talk to me about God in your life. I just need to hear some God stuff for a minute. That's how you can live in God. We know the love that God has for us and we trust that love. Problem is we grow up and we're taught to trust ourselves. We're taught to trust that Anything that you believe, anything that you hope for, whatever you believe you can achieve kind of thing, you can do it. And the idea is that, no, that's not exactly the way it works because there's a whole bunch of failures that that didn't work for. But it's when you come to the reality that if you put your trust in God, if you put your, your hope in God, if you believe and you begin to chart a life out that says, no, no, I... I've got this narrow path that I have to walk. This isn't acceptable, and that's not acceptable. I can't do this, and I can't do that. Why? Because that's dark. That's evil. That's bad. That's wrong. So what I do is, is I'm trusting that love that he's going to keep me. As, I, as I, I draw near to him, guess what he says? He draws near to us, and then because of that nearness, guess what happens to the devil? The devil has to split. He has to, he has to flee is what the Bible says. So guess what? An old phrase learned way back when I first got saved. God will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from God. Or you can change it up and say the Bible will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from the Bible. You think about the times in your life when you've waffled and wavered and you ended up falling and failing. How much Bible reading were you doing? How much praying were you doing? How much church going were you doing? People will say, I didn't feel like being... We know people today, folks, you guys have sons and daughters this way. They say, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to do the Christian thing until I can be all in. Serious? So when God will just take the littlest, smallest mustard seed kind of thing from you, you think you've got to be good enough to go to church? That isn't what it's all about. He says, you come to me. He didn't say, come to me all polished up and shiny and without spot or wrinkle. He says, I'm going to make you without spot or wrinkle. He says, trust me in this. God is love. Those who live in love, who, okay, live in love, live in God, and God lives in them. Now, here it is. This is how love is made perfect in us, that we can be without fear on the day God judges us, because in this world, we are like him. How about telling yourself that? When you live in God, you're like him. That's not something that the devil or the world wants to tell you. And you've got to be careful that we don't get all arrogant and think we're God somehow. No, we've got God in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. What's that mean? That means, that means praise w- without, the, without the asterisk. That means I don't have to have some but to, to what's, what I'm doing in life, that I've got something that detracts or takes away from or diminishes it. Well, I'm a pretty good guy, but, well, I do okay here except... With, when in God, when you, the more you live in Christ, the more you live in God, He lives in you. What happens is He begins to take all those butts out of your life. He begins to take away the... You don't have a need for an excuse. You don't have to make up stories. You don't have to put on masks. And you don't have to make yourself try to be something that you're really not. I love... We had a story one time. Somebody called up and... 
they were coming up here for some benevolence. They were coming up for some help. And whenever you call me, I'm going to probably try to, we don't just give out stuff. I'll, I'll talk to you about your life, what got you into this predicament. Sometimes it's uncontrollable. Sometimes it is controllable. It's, it's that your life's a mess. So what happened is they were talking to me and they were coming up. And what happened is they called, they made a phone call. And on their way up here, when they made this phone call, they were railing against the church. And, and they made, they, well, I guess we call it butt-dialed. So they butt-dialed and didn't know that they even called the church. Meanwhile, I hear their conversation with the person who's driving them up here. And all they were doing is slamming the church. Do you know how hard it was for me to want to give them anything after that? But, Burdette, I was trying to do what you said, practice that kind of love in action. And I knew that they were, they were probably phony baloney. Um, they've expressed it on the phone. I've got the recording. But instead, the right thing is the right thing. They need, and I'm going to bless them in spite of what I've heard on the message. I would have liked to have played that back and said, here it is. Busted! Busted! You hypocrite. You call us hypocrites. Here you are. No, no, it didn't go there. Why? That's not the love of God. That's the flesh. It stinks. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. Here it is. If people say, I love God, but hate their brothers or sisters, they are liars. Those who do not love their brothers and sisters whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have never seen. And God gave us this command. Those who love God must also love their brothers and sisters. Folks, some of us have some work to do with loving our brothers and sisters. Oh, there might be boundaries that you set, but if there's unforgiveness there, God wants you to take care of that issue. He wants you to forgive deeply. I love Romans 9, 21, says this. It says, uh, it starts, I'm sorry, nine, yeah, tw- Romans 12, 9 to 21. Love from the center of who you are. It's in your bulletin right there, verse 9 and 10. Love from the center of who you are. Now, earlier, got to tie this in from Romans chapter 12 back to 1 John when he says, as God is, so are you in this world. So if you live in God, then God lives in you and then you're a reflection of God. Take that now. Love from the center of who you are, let's say in Christ. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. You know what we learn in the world? Matt, I'll bet you did some of those things that you did, playing football and doing, being certain things. You did that because you felt like that was necessary to be liked and accepted. Somehow to, that was the expectation, as you expressed, that other people had on you. And isn't that true of all of us? We talk about unconditional love, but we don't actually love unconditionally. And love isn't really unconditional. It means we feel better when we get our way. Come on, are you really... You're going to be honest? When you get your way, you feel loved. You feel better when you get your way. The unconditional part of that is that God, Romans 5, 8, demonstrates His love in that while you are a puke-faced sinner, He died for you. When you fail, He doesn't give up on you. His love never fails, never gives up, huh? never runs out on me. That's what it means. How many times? Much as you need to your final breath. Romans 12, if you do nothing else from today, you can take these verses from 9 to 21 and you can say, here it is. This is love in action. This is exactly what Burdett was talking about. This, if you do these things, you're going to be acting love. You're going to be doing love. It's an action, not faking it, not acting like faking it. You're going to be living it out. Be a good friend who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. That means prefer somebody else. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert, servants of the master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. 
Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Well, what if they're cheating? What if they're panhandlers? What if they're... Doesn't matter. Do, do good. Best you can do, determine that. But, but seek to err on the side of compassion. I want to cue up that, uh, that video. I've got something short to, uh, to help us. I like what this message says. We're getting ready to do uh, Christmas Eve service. If you, uh, you may be planning on being here at 7 o'clock at night. We're doing a candle lighting. We're going to add a dimension um, just to honor uh, God and the, uh, the 27 people who were killed in Connecticut. So part of our candle lighting service will be a little tribute that we're going to, uh, to have for, uh, for that. And... Um, then the week after, for New Year's, we're going to do both, I think uh, Kenny titled it a parvis. So we got a new term, parvis. That means we're going to party from 7 to 11. At 11 o'clock, we're going to transform in, come in here. We'll do, uh, Kevin uh, Moore's going to bring a, uh, a message for us, a short, short, short message. Um, not a short, short, short message, just a short message. <laughs> and then... Uh, because pastors don't like short messages anyway. So he's going to bring a message, and then we're going to have water baptism. So if you've accepted Jesus Christ, if you've repented, maybe it's just that you were backslid and you come back. Um, whatever the, the reason is, um, we want it to be that you can be baptized. And so we're going to have next Sunday, you'll see the baptismal will be set up here. Um, we have one we've kind of made that's portable, so um, it'll be up. Uh, but we're going to be baptizing come midnight. We'll let you kiss each other and do all that stuff. And then we're going to be in the pool baptizing. So I know we've got two or three people so far, actually four or five people now. So, uh, hey, sleep is overrated. So uh, that night, don't worry, you stay here. We'll get you out of here before the drunks get out. And you've got the safety and the promise of God that he's going to cover you. So you'll be all right. But uh, we're going to ask you to come and be here, uh, even if you don't come until 10, 1030 or something. But uh, make every effort to come that night, and we're going to celebrate baptism. So here's what it says. Matthew 3, 11 and 12 says, I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life into in for a kingdom life. The real action comes next. The main character in this drama, compared to him, I'm a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom life within you a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he'll put out with the trash to be burned. Adam, you need to be baptized. You know why? Because what you've been trying to do in and of your own self that you haven't been able to do, God wants to burn it with the trash. You know that? It's time for baptism. That's coming up. What a great way to enter the new year is to say, I'm going to do something this year that I've never done before. I'm going all in, all out for God. I'm not holding back. Let's watch this. This is, uh, this is a Mars Hill church up in uh, Oregon, I think it is. Washington.
wow, wouldn't that be so awesome to see 682 people being baptized? Do you get it? Folks, that means there's been 682 people who said, Jesus, come into my heart, change me, transform my life. Wow. See, that's what, oh, come on. There's not even 600 people who come to this church. So how can that be? Guess what? I'm, I'm not putting no box around God or what he wants to do. How about the idea is, is that all of us are being light in the midst of the darkness. We're letting our, our, our faith actually have feet so that we have this love, which is an action now. How about that? Amen? The greatest gift is love. Get it, give it, live in it. That's what we have to do to be able to, to actually enjoy it. Love to the point of change. We're getting ready to end, and Scott's actually, I think Scott's going to be up here. Is he here? Good. So Scott's been learning guitar. He's been taking lessons from Joseph. So um, he's going to help us on this one here. And um, then we're going to say goodbye. There's an old thing out that says Christmas, 1 Corinthians 13 style. It's what Burdette shared a little bit earlier. Love is patient. Love is kind. You guys know that. If I decorate my house perfectly with plaid bows, I'm sorry, bows, with plowed bow, okay, plaid bows, You don't want me decorating your house. (laughs) If I decorate my house perfectly with plaid bows, strands of twinkling lights and shiny ornaments, but do not show love to my family, I'm just another decorator. If I slave away in the kitchen, baking dozens of Christmas cookies, preparing gourmet meals and arranging a beautifully adorned table at mealtime, but do not show love to my family, I'm just another cook. If I work at the soup kitchen, carol in the nursing home, and give all that I have to charity, but do not show love to my family, it profits me nothing. If I trim the spruce with shimmering angels and crocheted snowflakes, attend a myriad of holiday parties and sing in the choir's cantata, but do not focus on Christ, I have missed the point. Love stops the cooking to hug the child. Love sets aside the decorating to kiss the spouse. Love is kind, though harried and tired. Love doesn't envy another's home that has coordinated Christmas china and table linens. Love doesn't yell at the kids to get out of the way. Love doesn't give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who can't. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Video games will break, pearl necklaces will be lost, golf clubs will rust, but giving the gift of love will endure. Um, I, I need to address this because somebody in the room this belongs to, I'm guessing, and we, we need to talk. So um, someone put in the offering basket this morning um, some jewelry, and um, it represents a uh, vow. And so the church in no way could ever take something like that because it kind of is significant of surrendering um, marriage or love. And so if there's a death, that's, that's uh, one thing. But if there's uh, not a physical death, there's just a spiritual death, there's a, the, the reality of death of love in a relationship, then we need to pray for you and we need to, we need to counsel you and we need to see you get help. And so I'm holding those rings, and I would like whoever uh, those belong to for you to come up, and it means that we need to pray, and we need to intercede, and we need to, we need to let love increase. And the only way to do that is going to be to uh, surrender ourselves, both husband and wife. If there's another story behind it, that'll be okay. But if it's, if it's the end of a marriage, and we haven't met, and we haven't given it everything we got, I don't want you to give up. And so uh, I'm just going to ask, we'll have private time. You can wait till the crowd moves away. Um, other than that, let's go ahead and pray. I want to pray for that, uh, that situation right now first before we move on, okay? Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you for your great love because I've said it many times. I tried to mess up my marriage. Oh, it wasn't my intent, but it was my actions. And I wasn't loving with any kind of love like we just heard today described through Burdette or through through the preaching of your word. 
So God, but you kept us together and you made it, uh, you made up for all of our failures, all of our lack, all of our loss, all of our weakness. So God, I want to lift up especially the situation that exists in marriages in this room today. Could be, could be, uh, I don't know who it is, but I know this, that God, you love uh, with an everlasting love and you call us to love like you love. That's what we heard this morning. So it might be that that person, after hearing that message, says, hmm, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And so, God, I just pray that you're stirring in their heart right now, that God, no matter how bad it looks, how bad it's been, that forgiveness is still the mission. Reconciliation is still our call. So, God, we're going to hold out. We're going to hold up. We're going to say, God, uh, we're not going to quit. And, Lord, uh, love never fails. So, God, I just agree right now for that person, this marriage, we're asking for, for help. Father, as we uh, continue to declare your praises, as we continue to celebrate you, we recognize that, God, you saw our need and you came to, uh, to earth to settle the, uh, the debt and you paid it in full. And we thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, we actually call it uh, real acts of kindness, not random. So uh, he's talking about Tina. We got work to do down at Marcy's. She's still got a bath that's undone. We kind of forgot about that. We need to finish down there. That's my pledge to Marcy. That's not her. That's me. Um, we have some work at Tina's and um, others. It's part of us getting together and doing what we can do. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Let's go ahead and uh, that's good. Rick. We'll be getting you an insert. You'll see it next week. And we'll begin to, uh, to, to ramp up for that, to, to get these things done. Let's stand it. The first Noel, the angels did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay in
Hallelujah. Good job, man. We got a lot of firsts going on. Scott's first playing in, in at least in the church thing.